0: I am Meg McKean, and this is Bound and Determined. I hold the space to share the stories of women working in and for the insurance industry. It's here that we learn, we grow, we connect, and we celebrate. Because though we are women in insurance, we are so much more. I am so glad that you're here. Before we get started, know that this episode is going to cover some sensitive topics like sexual harassment and discrimination in the workplace. You will recognize this name and this voice as I welcome my friend, the fearless, the brave, and the kind Alyssa Stamp back to the podcast. A lot has changed, including Alyssa, since she joined us the last time, and she is here with us today to share her story and to share more about the exceptionally important work that she's doing to change the experience of other women and underrepresented groups in the insurance industry. As you listen, you may hear yourself in these words. Maybe you're listening because you've experienced something similar or maybe you're listening because you want to be part of the change. Thank you for being here. Off we go. Alyssa, you are not a stranger to this podcast. And I love that since you joined us the last time, we have had hours and hours and hours of exceptionally meaningful conversation around a lot of things. Cause that's how, that's how we are. Like we don't struggle right for things to talk about, wow. but the connection point that we've landed in, in this moment, and the fact that you have chosen this platform as a, a means of telling your story and the story of so many other women is really significant for me on, on a lot of levels. And as someone with my own story to tell, and also this constant feeling of, of pushing and pulling my own boundaries, I respect so much um, that you're here and your willingness to share your story and your mission and not your new mission. Cause I think this is the mission you've always been on, but the events that have happened more recently, since you've been with us the last time that have really inspired in our fueling the work that you're doing in, in your next chapter. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for being a, a bright light um, in my life and for the wisdom that you're going to share um, with us today.
1: Well, I don't know how I even start to follow that, um, but I'll start by saying yes to all of that. I'll underline it and I'll say thank you for being my friend you're right, we've spent hours, hours talking over the past year, and I truly believe that if either of us would have been told that this is where we'd be, uh, a year from the last time we had the conversation, it wouldn't have been in a dream reality for me. But I'm so grateful for the opportunity to come back and to share, because as you and I both know, This affects so many more people than just the two of us. And I think that's why it's so incredibly important. And you're right. It has been my mission for quite some time because I watched my mom suffer and I've watched other women suffer. And I think this time for me, I hit a breaking point and a decision needed to be made. And it was, is this as good as it gets? Or can we do something about it? So I do want to prepare people. This is this is kind of a trigger warning. Um, It's tough. It's tough to hear. And I can assure you, it's very tough to tell. But I think it's important, because if there's anything that I've learned over the course of this past year, it's that there's healing in telling your story. And there's healing in community. Um, And there's Oh, you'll forgive me. And I appreciate the, the chance to be, to display emotion because I think we disregard that so much in professional life. So, as you know, I spent most of my career on the carrier side, loved it for the most part. Like we talked about last time, there's always a little bit of a disconnect, like a little nag. And when the pandemic hit, I knew I needed to do something different, I needed to make a change. And so I moved over to the agency side and everything was, for the most part, fine. And I do want to pause to say and put a disclaimer that many of us, if we are different, if we don't fit the original mold of what insurance looked like back in the day, don't really get the choice to use our comfort as a litmus test to move to a specific organization Sometimes you just kind of swallow the little things to get through the day because you know it's not worth your time bringing anything up. And when I've told this story in the past, I'm reminded of a parable of putting a frog in a boiling pot of water. And if you put a frog in a boiling pot of water, it will jump out immediately because it can sense the temperature difference. But if you put a frog in a pot of water and slowly raise the temperature, the frog may not realize until it's a little too late. And so with that in mind, I was a frog. And I kind of laughed off the jokes, the nods, the few things that made me squirm a little bit, but throughout my career, I'd I'd experienced those moments time and time again. But it was the one time that I stood up against one of them that really catapulted me into a place that I hadn't been potentially ever. I stood up for someone that I've never met because I noticed something that was really, really wrong. I was sent a pornographic video by someone internally and I, I froze. That was the line. That was for me the moment where I had to choose, do you say something or do you swallow this too? And when I spoke up, nothing happened right away but you could feel the slow freeze kind of set in. There were the little things like maybe I didn't get a response to an email or I didn't get invited to a meeting that I normally would have been a part of. Then I started to realize that it wasn't just the little things anymore. I was being shut out completely. I was being ignored from basically early November through mid-January. And we're insurance professionals. We know what year-end means.
0: (laughs) It's kind of an easy time. And we're in it right now. And um, business, it's all business right now. I get it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so in those
1: last few months, it's all go. And it was my first year on a renewal book that I was not familiar with. Uh, Not everything was in a file. Maybe I needed to ask a question. Maybe I needed to reach out and I wasn't getting the support. I wasn't getting the answers. And that's when the horror set in because it was the realization that I was being set up to fail. I could feel it. I could feel it creeping up the back of my neck. I could feel it in the pit of my stomach every time I felt like I knew I needed to go to the bathroom because it was so much more frequent. The anxiety was unreal. So in January, I sat down internally and was conscious of the fact that they were ignoring me. That. I was left to my own devices, and it only got worse from there. I was told that I was terrible at my job, that I needed to learn everything the way that they knew it, that I should be grateful for the opportunities that I had. And I'm not saying I'm a perfect person, nor a perfect professional, but it felt like, and it was, a takedown. And I'll spare you the details, the moments that kind of guts you like a knife, but I, I know that you can relate to this. And I think the worst part is the things that we don't see. The worst part is when you wake up and you have to pry yourself out of bed or when you can't shower, you just physically can't because it requires so much more effort than you've ever had to contribute to showering in your entire life. I was talking with another woman earlier today that went through something similar. And the part that resonated with both of us the most was sometimes you would have the worst day of your life and it would be followed by a beautiful morning and you'd get up and you'd shower and you'd get dressed and you're like, okay, today is the day I'm better. Today is the day I'm fine. And then you would see a name that you'd recognize or You'd be reminded by something in your environment and all of a sudden you melted into nothing. Those are the moments we don't talk about enough because I think it's easy to see an injury when you wear a cast or a neck brace or you have a little bit of a limp while you heal from a broken leg. But healing from something that's emotional or mental not only requires more effort because it's internal and we don't tend to understand that enough but it's also because other people don't see it. And it's because you feel alone. I have to admit, I've been, I've signed a few NDAs in my life and I know I'm not the only one. And I think the damage that does is significant in its own way for two reasons. It's significant because you don't feel like you can talk about it and talking about it heals and creates community like we've said, but it adds to this larger culture that somehow the things that we've experienced and the things that we know are not true. It controls this perception of reality that this doesn't happen as often as we know it to happen because nobody's talking about it. And so for me, I'm done not talking about it because you and I sat on a phone call earlier this year with a group of incredible women And when I was in one of my deepest, darkest moments, you all came to my side. In the moment that I swallowed my shame and told you what I had experienced, I fully expected everyone to say, well, what did you do to contribute? How did you make this happen? How could you be so foolish? But instead, I was met with a chorus of voices saying, that happened to me too. And it was this digital hug (laughs) from this incredible group of women. And simultaneously, it was the worst and best moment of my life because I knew I wasn't alone. And then I knew I wasn't alone.
0: Oh, I have a million thoughts. I have a million thoughts. And all of them, all of them go back to the importance, just like you said, of, of sharing these stories and giving a voice to the people who for a million reasons, um, for generations have felt the need to be silent, um, myself included. And a lot of the hours of conversation we have had in full disclosure, total transparency have been me pushing back on you, uh, for the feasibility of what you're doing and the practicality of what you're doing and the value of what you're doing because the problem and the problem that we're here obviously talking around, but not calling out is the unfair discriminatory predatory behavior that can permeate our industry. And I won't say that it's everywhere. And I won't say that it's every woman that has experienced it. um, But in that moment on that call in this virtual world with literally people who have never been in the same physical space, um, for every single one of them to go around the room in that day, in that moment, and share their own version of the same story is pretty darn indicative of a problem. I love that you are fueled and you are passionate about doing this work. I share a similar passion, though it comes out differently, more safely, uh, less risky, right? Because that's that's who I am. But fundamentally, uh, I'm with you. I want I I want to say I want to say this in the most thoughtful, eloquent way, right? Because that's what we do here. Um, But I'm not going to get it right, and I'm learning in this season, in particular, of the podcast. Like I'm not going to get much right, um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try and say the things that need to be said. So one of the things that I find uh, myself doing a lot as I think about my experience in our industry is uh, the excuses I make and the diminishing I do of my experience. And I think it's interesting because as as people who, in many cases, are licensed or trained to sell the insurance products that protect organizations from this sort of behavior, we know a lot more, right, than the average consumer. And so I, I run that, my experience through this litmus test. I love that you've used that framing of uh, was I denied employment or advancement in my organization because I did not respond to a sexual advance? And, and that is untrue. That has not happened to me. And so therefore I excuse all of the other things that have as not being valid because they don't check that box. But when I share my story with you and you share yours with me and and all of the other women that we know that have raised their hand and said, here it comes me too. It all counts. And it's taken a long time and I'm still working on it. Honestly, I'm still working on it. Is it that big of a deal? is it part of a bigger game that I signed up to play? And does that just happen to be one of the the unfun parts that my sexuality and my womanhood gets to be a conversation point? And then I get really mad and I say, no, I, I deserve. we deserve to live and work in a world where that's not on the table and that's not up for debate. And then further, when I think back to the circumstances that I've found myself in, and where the the perpetrator, right, for lack of a better descriptor, and I can't even say that because of the point I'm making, which is how do you reconcile that these are people that you would consider a friend, that you would consider a mentor, someone who you respect in the business, who is respected in the business, and that may genuinely be a pretty decent human being who has made some really bad judgment calls about the way that they conduct themselves in business. And you keep going. Back then you show up at the office on Monday morning and you, you put your head down and you keep going. And, and yet the reconciliation never really happens. And that's what I'm struggling with right now is, is how can seemingly good people, do they really not know? Or are they being protected? Is there a system in place that I'm not privy to? Is there a game being played that I don't know the rules of? Um, I think all of that can be true and then i find myself quick to say but they're not all bad they're not all bad there's good people out there and and it's again that thing that we do as women of qualifying our experience and making sure that that even though i've been wildly uncomfortable in these situations that i don't make anyone else uncomfortable because of my discomfort right we should ourselves
1: to fit the box that we're in at the time oh my goodness there's so much there and i want to address it all and um you don't have to worry about saying anything eloquently because I think that's just part and parcel of who you are. But I will say to address the good person, bad person dichotomy, I think that is such a valuable point to strike because I think what we have to get away from is that people are either good or bad. We all make mistakes. Making a mistake doesn't make you bad. It makes you human. It's how you respond Afterwards, once you know that you've done something that has harmed someone else, that's how you can qualify it. Because I think if we look back in our histories, there have been moments where we've had to make choices and they haven't all been good. And how have we learned? How have we grown? How have we adjusted? And I I can't speak for every woman or every person that's experienced discriminatory behavior, but I have to say, when I was going through this and the aftermath and the fallout, That followed. I didn't want to ruin anyone's life. I didn't want to be a whistleblower. I didn't want to call it out. I wanted an apology and I wanted an atonement. I wanted to reconcile and move forward. To me, it wasn't about taking the bat that they used to me and hitting them in the knees with it. It was about understanding that they caused harm and then moving forward together because I think. And you know this from any relationship you have, it's not about the flowers and the roses and the perfume all the time. Sometimes it's about sitting in the deep dark with each other, recognizing the harm that was caused and moving on. And that's when a relationship really grows. So I think we have to get away from the fact that we're not going to make mistakes because we will. Everybody will. And it's messy. Life is messy but we have to be able to own it and move forward. And we have to be gracious as human beings and say, okay, how do we do this together? I think that's the balance that we have to strike. And it's hard because when there's hurt involved, there's pain and there's deep, deep pain. There's a wound that's carved into the heart of my chest. That's going to be very difficult to completely heal. Like you said, it gives me the passion and the juice to keep moving. I also want to talk about The fact that you diminished the experiences you had, and you're not alone in that. Over the course of the past year, I've talked with dozens of women, and everybody kind of has a different response, but there are so many women that say, well, what I went through wasn't as bad as what somebody else went through, or what I went through wasn't as bad as what you went through. And for that, somehow we forgive the fact that it happened to us. We consider ourselves not valuable enough to have that slight against us matter. But what that does, unfortunately, is it adds to the broader culture to say, well, that's not as bad as this, so we'll allow it. And when you're in a culture or an environment that supports that line of thinking, it's very difficult to go against it. I remember the first time something big like that happened to me. And I remember immediately going, I have to tell somebody, this is atrocious. So I told my manager and it was quickly swept under the rug. And it was swept under the rug in front of my face and collaborated with with the perpetrator. And that was the moment for me that I said, okay, these are the rules of the game here. This is how this works. I think we have to focus on the little things because it's the little things that make such a big difference. I think back to a time when I was an underwriter and an agent didn't like that I was female. So they called in and asked to have a different underwriter. They wanted a man and the underwriting supervisor obliged. And I'm not the only person that's happened to. And as a marketing rep, it's a very normal thing to sit with your predecessor or the person that follows you and have the conversation of, avoid this person. This is who you want to talk to. This person causes problems and we know about it. Just let us know if it happens and we'll address it from there. And what that does is it says, we recognize that these individuals or this company or or however that looks causes harm, but our bottom line or our relationship or whatever justifying factor you want to use is more important And I'm starting to hear this more and more now in the world, but we have to stop prioritizing profits over people. I understand that we are in a capitalist society. And at the end of the day, we do have to make money and we have to bring it home. And that's not going to change tomorrow. I agree with that. But I also think we can still make money and treat humans with dignity and respect.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you for the fight. Um I want to know what this experience and the journey that you've been on in the last year, what is the outlet? Where is this energy going? Where is it flowing? What are you working on? I love about you that you are so, you believe so deeply and are passionate about this, but that you're also about action and execution. And I think that to your point, there's been a lot of talk, a lot of talk about some of the deficiencies in our, in our industry and others, of course, But it's a lot of talk and and you're about the action and i want you to fill me in because i know some things have evolved since we last connected and then obviously the listener too
1: absolutely and i do want to share that but i also want to start with this because if i were a listener hearing this and i've been told this before when i talk about what we're doing there's an element of shame that happens if you've listened to it and you've experienced something like you and i have experienced because we sit there and we go, well, well, I could have done that. Why didn't I do it? And then we start to self-blame it and say, I'm not as good, or I'm not strong enough, or I'm not worthy to join this fight, to hold this line that we're trying to hold. And I want to be clear, you absolutely are. I started this journey in insurance, in really the business world. Like, if we're being honest, this is not limited to insurance, and you and I both know that. I started this journey thinking and knowing that it was not great, but that somebody out there would do something like this. Somebody out there would start an organization and make it better for the rest of us. Because I knew in my core that I wasn't talented enough, smart enough, connected enough to be that person. So if you're listening and there's a part of you that either feels that shame or thinks that way, stop because we can't do this alone. It's not my mission, my company, my journey. It's ours. And if we don't all hold the line, then it's going to get pushed. So with that said, I will tell you what I'm doing. We started a company, and I say we, because you cannot do this alone. It's a community. Even if you are a self-employed entrepreneur with no employees, you did not do that alone. There is a connection in the in the works there. You know this, right, Meg? Like you've been there for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't want to do it alone, right? My goodness. It can be lonely, um, but you do not have to do it alone. No, and you
1: shouldn't. You absolutely shouldn't because there is somebody out there that will support you. So what we've done is we've created a, a nonprofit tech company called Ensure Equality. And our mission, our goal is to focus on the small cultural changes that will make large and lasting impact. So those two examples I gave of being an underwriter and having the agent switch underwriters or being the marketing rep and giving kind of that talk track of, okay, this is how you survive in this situation. These are the little things I'm talking about. And that is not part and parcel of all of the things that we need to change in this industry. I I think about how some call centers have made employees change name or pick a nickname because it seems easier to say or more palatable. All of the things that contribute to a culture are what we're looking at because it is about the internal work and the introspection. We can talk about it till we're blue in the face, but it requires those little shifts. So we are going to roll this out over time. What we're doing is we're asking companies in the industry to sign a pledge to publicly declare that they believe in treating employees a a right way. So from the pledge standpoint, there's four things that we're asking for. The first is to create and foster an environment where people feel comfortable coming forward and reporting something if it happens. I think about all the times that I experienced something and knew, oh, no, (laughs) nothing will be done or I will get the short end of this stick if I come forward. So that has to be the first thing that we do. The second thing is that, you believe that person, you investigate, and then you take appropriate action based on what you found. And I wanna be clear that I don't like zero tolerance policies because what that does is it sets up the person that comes forward with an impossible task. It says, not only are we going to kind of make you the focal point to make a point, but you are going to be the human that ruins someone's life, or that makes it difficult to move forward. So I think that has to be clear. We have to do this together. It cannot just be, the burden cannot be on the person that comes forward. The third thing, and this is controversial, but I will tell you that every single person that I've talked to that has been through this resoundingly says, this is the part that's needed. We cannot force people into confidentiality. We cannot force them into silence that's what we're asking for. Now, if you want to talk with them and they want that, that's fine. And some people do. But what we're doing is we're adding to this broader culture that this doesn't exist. And you and I both know that's not true. And the last piece, and this is very important for insurance because we deal with a lot of third parties. If you have a partner that you're working with, whether it's an agency, a carrier, an aggregator, an tech, you name it, and they perpetuate this harm to your employees or to your customers, you've called them on it, you've asked them to make a change, they refuse to do so, and they hold their line, that you end your partnership. Because if you maintain that partnership, what you're really saying to your employees or your customers or whoever was damaged in that interaction, this relationship that we have with this entity is more important than what happened to you. And who knows, we may let it happen to somebody else. So that's step one, and I would say, while that's something that we're asking of companies, we're also creating opportunities for individuals, for the rest of the country as it looks to participate in this, because I know all the times i felt helpless to do anything, whether it was, I was short on cash, uh, I didn't have the time to advocate Or I didn't know where to start. Somebody just needed to tell me what to do. I would do whatever somebody told me, but nobody would tell me what to do. We're creating opportunities and inroads for everybody. So from the company side, please sign the pledge. Make that known that you want to be that company. But from the individual side, go to the website. Tell us your story. Let us know why this is important so that we can share this with the world. And I want to be clear, we're not sharing people's names, identifying information, etc. But it's important to have numbers because what we want to do with the funding that we get initially is create research, create data. We're also going to create an open letter to the insurance industry from everybody that works with us saying, hey, we believe in this and we want to work with companies that believe in it too. We're also creating a toolkit internally so that if you work for a company that's in insurance and they're a little hesitant because maybe they don't like one of the pieces of the pledge or so-and-so hasn't signed it yet, so they don't know if they want to, To We're creating a toolkit so that you have emails that you can send to leadership or a form, a petition that you can get going internally. It literally will take all of us, and it's going to be hard, and it's going to be painful at times, but it's also so rewarding to watch people understand why we can't do something, or why we shouldn't at the very least. So that's where we're starting. I sincerely hope to have so many more pieces to share with you because we have so many good things coming in down the road and partnerships and other entities that I know can help with this cause. But at the very least, tell us why it's important because I know But maybe someone else needs to hear it in your words.
0: Yeah. As I process everything that you're offering. And again, I love the solution focused. And I, I know that it's so thoughtful and it's so, it's just so well considered in terms of the problem and the possibility, which is the, the bright side of this, right? That this isn't intended to be punitive, but rather to really inspire change and to make change where we show up. If I may, yeah. I think the core of it
1: is collaborative Yeah, and no one can be excluded from this work. We all have to do it it is so 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 important and the other point i'll make is that this isn't about highlighting the people that aren't doing it or that are not signing the pledge this is about lifting up the companies that do care yeah cuz you and i both know like you mentioned it isn't everyone we know that the problem isn't everyone the problem is that we've allowed a culture to continue in which some people learn from others other people's learn that that's okay we need to be able to say as a group and as a whole, there are certain things that are not okay and there are certain things that are. And while there's individuals doing the work that's great, there's some that are not. It also highlights companies that maybe we wouldn't know about. I think there are so many times in my career where a company was like, well, we can't hire anybody like that because they don't exist. And you and I both, I just in this day and age with entrepreneurs technology, it does exist. We just don't know about it. And yeah. this allows for a broader population to get some notice. And I think that's important too.
0: Yeah, no, it's beautiful. And, and I think as employees are, are taking much more of a driver's seat position in their own career journey, I think having this information accessible when someone is making the decision to join a company, I know if I were and a company had signed this pledge as a woman. This is a question I would be asking uh, and that you're providing this disclosure right up front, I think is really smart. It's smart business, frankly, for organizations to hop on this, not bandwagon, but to hop on this journey uh, right there with you. Because I don't think culture and equity and inclusion in the workplace is something we'll be talking less about in the future, I think it's moving up and up and up and up on the business priority list. And I'm obviously here for it, um, and I know you are too, but I love that that this is a tool, right? It's one tool in hopefully an overall strategy that companies are seeing through from bottom to top and and top to bottom. And And you bring up an interesting point that just because you can't see something doesn't mean that it doesn't exist or that it's not happening and I, I'm thinking about people in leadership roles who might, this behavior might be happening around them and they may not be aware of it, right? They may be in a position where they're quite insulated and those who are involved are not comfortable or confident in speaking up. And so it's happening, but they may not be aware, or maybe they are, and they don't want to deal with it. It's just easier if we don't. Just the important reminder that because you don't see it doesn't mean that it's not happening. And and it is. And, and I, um we haven't really delved into stories you've shared a couple of anecdotes i certainly have my own i'm i'm working on the extent to which those are shared publicly because they are private it's part of my story that i'm not i'm not quite sure how to tell and and what the right forum is to do that but it definitely informs at a minimum the work i do and how i show up and why i show up and the why i think is what is fueling you um, I see it in you. I see the fire in you and, and wanting to create a different experience for others is a really, it's very inspiring. How do people rally around you and with you and support ensure equality? What does that look like?
1: So most of everything that I'm talking about will be on our website, EnsureEquality.org, And there's two E's in there. Don't miss the second one. <laughs> But we're also going to be very active on LinkedIn and other forms of social media. So please find us there. Ask questions. We're willing to engage in conversation because I think most importantly, that's what this starts. And I know that this work has been started before. I know that this work has been ongoing for so many people before. I don't want people to feel like, I've come to this realization and now I'm doing, that's not what this is about. We all stand on the shoulders of the women that have come before us, the people that have come before us. And it would be an honor to be a shoulder for somebody else. Mm. That's what this is about. But there's two things I wanna touch on that you talked about that I think are really important. The first of which is you said, this is a really good business decision and you're right. And you're right for a couple of reasons. We are facing a retention issue in this industry, big time. I think we even hit on it the last time we talked. Yeah.
0: It's not <laughs> yeah. it's not new. If it's new to anyone listening, catch up please quickly cuz we need yes. you in the we need you in the fight. And people will say,
1: "Oh, it's the pandemic." And don't get me wrong that certainly added. It absolutely added, but you can do a Google search and find articles written in 2019 before the pandemic hit that was talking about the fact that we're going to have an employee shortage soon. 2020 was a big year for a lot of reasons. And for all intents and purposes, in many regards, we went backwards in this industry. And I think if we're going to progress the way that we know that we can, if we're going to have the right leaders and the right voices represented, we have to do this work. And it has to be on more than just an individual level. It has to be on an industry level. I think that's what's incredibly powerful about what we're doing.
0: Yeah. And Important to note, and this is one of those paradoxes that is probably going to drive me bananas till my last breath. We took a step back in terms of human capital in the industry, but the industry has been thriving Yes, despite COVID, right? And so if you don't choose to make this a business priority, we've created an environment where a company can skirt right by and skate on through unscathed, and so it- (laughs) it is such a a human i won't say a battle but it's only human power that's going to make this change it's not money right it's not throwing more money at it it's not it's the way you choose to show up every day it's the way you choose to support or not the people around you it's how you how you show up and the behavior around you that you tolerate that's where the change is going to come from and on my best day i'm inspired and on the not so great days you know this. I get really overwhelmed. Can we do this? Can we pull this off as an industry? Are enough people going to see the value and the necessity of it to rally a- around and be the shoulders that you talk about um, needing in order to advance? And this is not a cause. This is this is human behavior. It's the human experience that people are having working in our industry, and and we can do better.
1: The reality is, right now, there's a large portion of us that are surviving, yeah. not that. there's a large portion of us that will swoop in after something happens and say, I'm so sorry that happened to me too. This is how you get through it. Mm-hmm. There's a large portion of us that are sharing those survival stories before it happens. And don't get me wrong, the battle for representation is real. It's something that we definitely need to get moving on because the industry, the leadership doesn't look like the general population. It doesn't. And we know that. Yeah. But this representation doesn't matter nearly as much if we can't change the little things that make this industry unbearable for certain people. Because if we don't change the culture and we just fight for representation, people will still get knocked off. People will still have to flee. People will still be ganged up on because the little things that make us uncomfortable or that perpetuate harm aren't fixed. So it has to be something that we work on from every angle. And it's tough. It is overwhelming. Meg, there are days that I wake up and I'm like, how in the world is this going to get done? And I sit with it for a long time. And there are days where I'm in a flurry and I'm just, I'm getting things done. And I think what we have to realize is it's not perfect. It's not organized. It is messy. It is chaos, but there's beauty in that. There's beauty in knowing that even when things are not perfect, we're still moving forward.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. What a beautiful note to end on. As always, I'm inspired by you um, every day in every way. And I'm here with you and here with you looks different for me than it does for you. and, And I think, I hope that anyone listening who is checking her own boundaries and her own, um, her own reaction to some of the things that we've talked about continues to sit with that discomfort because you're absolutely right. Alyssa, the, the messy part is where the change happens and it's really safe and comfortable to put our blinders on and act like things aren't happening. Cause that's, that's safe, right? We like our, our bodies work really hard to keep us in that safe place, but I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful. Um, thank you again for for joining me here and on this journey called life.
1: Always. And this won't be our last.
0: (laughs) She'll be back, friends. She'll be (laughs) back. I love it. Thanks as always. You've been listening to Bound and Determined, a podcast produced and hosted by me, Meg McKean. I help insurance professionals to create a different experience with their work through private and small group coaching and the workshops and public speaking that I do. You can learn more about that work and this podcast when you head to adjunctadvisors.com forward slash bound. Thanks for listening.